Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is May 15th and we got the gang all back together today. Welcome back, boys. Hello, folks. Nice week. And uh, today we have some really special guests. We have uh, Kemets and uh, Kruger from Aladdin to come talk about FX protocol. So welcome. Welcome. welcome Thank you guys. very much. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's where we can get started. This is uh, an interesting new thing that you guys are working on. Can you like go into a bit more depth about FX protocol and uh, what you guys have been building? Well, and specifically, can you talk about how it relates to Aladdin Dow and if it does it all and like how you grew out of kind of what we know Aladdin Dow for, which is like, you know, the building on top of the curve platform? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll, I'll maybe kick it off, KMETS, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. The, um, the, the FedEx protocol story, as it relates to Aladdin, like FedEx is more uh, independent from like it's not the deep level of curve integration that a lot of the other protocols that we've built have have had um we're like we're big curve maxis at at aladdin and obviously we do a lot of work in and around that um in in and around that ecosystem and a lot of the tools that we've built for like um building liquidity and efficient farming and stuff like that they're going to play a, a role in really helping to to boost uh, ffx protocol but but ffx is really um it's a response it's our response to what we saw as like a really pretty important need, like in, in DeFi in general. Um, like I'll it, try to keep like, I'll try to keep story time brief here, but, but essentially the, the concept for F of X was born when during the USDC DPEG event where we were kind of all collectively reminded that like decentralization really matters. And, and the, the biggest stable coins that DeFi depends on are, are very heavily centralized. And they can be centralized in a way that exposes you to risks that are just completely outside of the world of crypto, right? Like you have a very specific bank in the United States, in the world that has a, you know, that, that fails for reasons unrelated to crypto. And yet it has this cascading effect that, that hurts uh, USDC. And then it becomes clear, like, uh, you know, USDC is a, a backing token for all kinds of other stables. And so you see just this, this broad depegging event uh, across the board. So basically that got us thinking about, you know, why can't we have something that's really decentralized, right? We need something that's really decentralized, but that still has the ability to scale way up like, like you know, USDC and USDT can. And so we got digging on that and then we kind of fell into questions like, well, what's the point of a stable coin anyway? And, and do stable coins really actually need to be pegged to a fiat currency? And so we kind of landed on this story that like, it's time for a low volatility token that you can use to plan for expenses and that can just be money, but, but one that's not necessarily pegged right to USD, um, but, but it's anchored instead in the Ethereum economy, right? Uh, as opposed to in the, this like real world economy, the fiat economy. Um, but the challenge to do that, like there are some awesome decentralized stable coins, but the challenge that they've mostly uh, had so far has been scaling, right? Being able to scale up quickly uh, to demand. So we came up with this idea uh, which is f of x which is we we more or less concentrate volatility from this from stable holders into tokens which then perform like leveraged longs right like a long perp so essentially we connect together buyers of volatility and sellers of volatility and the neat thing about taking all of the volatility from the stable side and concentrating it on the the volatile side 
is that you create these these lever tokens this like some sort of some number of leverage like between 1x and 4x typically um leverage but you don't pay funding costs to hold that like you would on like a like perp trading platform um so that's kind of in the end after all of those kind of steps that i described we ended up with these two like complementary but like individually very powerful tokens right like a stable token and a lever token and it's just by that sort of DeFi magic trick of of bringing together people who have different sort of needs and and goals uh in a way that kind of benefits everybody so if i can summarize what you just said there uh basically you're taking an ethereum and you're allowing people to trade on either the low volatility or high volatility side. So there's one token that is more like a stable coin. According to the white paper, it's like a beta of uh, 10%. So it will right. fluctuate slightly, but be way less volatile than ETH, much more like a dollar, but not pegged to the dollar. And that's then right. the high volatility token, that's more like a leveraged perp. Yeah, exactly. And the so the high volatility token absorbs all that volatility that would normally be uh, held by the uh, by the FE, the low volatility side. And sorry, just to be like explicitly clear here, when we're talking about stable coins, we're talking about like dollar denominated stable coins, right? Not like stable coins in the way that Fraxy uses that term. Right. Yeah. We're talking about dollar denominated uh, uh, stable coins. Although really, this is one of the things we got thinking about, like for, for most applications on chain, I don't think what's important is that you're tagged like that you're tied directly to a very specific currency, unless you're trying to do like Forex trading on chain. What's more important in our view uh, for a stable on chain is to have low volatility, right? To be able to gain or lose exposure to the, to the, crypto, <coughs> the crypto world, as well as be able to do things like plan for expenses. This is a big thing. Um, you know, a lot of DAOs have to hold stables because when you're like, if you're paying people and people have expenses in fiat, you have to plan for your expenses in those kinds of terms. So, you know, it it's we are talking about USD denominated stable coins, but it's less about the USD and more about that um, that sort of low volatility ability to be money at rest, plan for expenses, that kind of stuff. So there's these two tokens that you guys have the high volatility token, which um, well, let me let me just take a step back. So I'm just looking at the tweet that you guys put out. Essentially, a user puts in one ETH. And then it splits it into two tokens. So they get back uh, like half an ETH worth of XETH and then uh, another half of... Uh, it's Sorry, it's a, it's a little bit more flexible than that. Oh, yeah? you, you drop in an ETH, and if ETH is worth $2,000, which one fine day it will be again, um, then you can mint uh, however many FETH or XETH you want. As long as so, so you can mint two thousand dollars worth of FETH and or XETH. So you're you provide that that ETH um, collateral to the protocol, and then the amount of of FETH or XETH that you get is based on the protocol's current uh, uh, price for each of those tokens. So the protocol maintains a price; uh, it knows what every FETH is worth and what every XETH is worth at any given time, and it calculates that based on the price of ETH. So, yeah. So just oh, we, go on. Yeah, if you could go into that more, because like the the XETH is taking like a long gamma position, and FETH is taking a short gamma position. So, like, how do you how do you actually price that? Like, what goes into the pricing functions of those two tokens? Well, we're we're tracking the price of ETH on 
to, to begin with, we're going to be pulling from the Chainlink feed and using a 30-minute TWAP. And we're basically tracking the periodic price change and calculating the NAV of FETH based on that periodic price change. And then we calculate the NAV of XETH to uh, ensure that at all times, the market cap of FETH plus the market cap of XETH exactly equals the total collateral. Okay, so like, how do you like how do you make sure that the two stay balanced? Like, if if there's all these people going into XETH, then who are getting you know like long gamma, and then there's big market movement. Um, like, wh what goes into the ability of the protocol to uh, maintain that ratio? So, so it, it, oh, please go ahead. Yeah, so I'll just I'll, I'll touch on it just a little bit. So it's basically uh, it, it's a ratio, and it will it will kind of be market driven. Um, because the, the leverage that you get from XETH, the high volatility token, basically comes from uh, its, its ratio in proportion to uh, uh, FETH, the, the low volatility. And so um, as, that, as that ratio changes, the, the leverage changes as well. So it's, very, it's variable. And um, you don't need a whole lot of XETH in the system to act as sort of that, that, that volatility absorption for FETH. And so, um, so a lot of it will be will be market driven because as, as the as the uh, um, as the leverage goes lower and gets closer to one for XCs, the market will you know obviously you know want to trade out of it, and which will um, change the ratio. Okay, so, so the yeah, the other thing I would add there is that we have so essentially that overall the stability of the system, ne never mind the like attractiveness of the tokens, but the stability of the overall system um, is is driven by as long as there's enough X ETH in existence to absorb however much volatility the F ETH is producing, the system is happy and it works. As the amount of F ETH goes to zero, the leverage of X ETH goes to one and then you know you can imagine the the end state being like if there's no feth minted at all then xeth and eth are just equivalent you mm -hmm. they, they move one to one the other extreme end is where the sort of what we call like the leverage of the system goes up and that's where the leverage of the individual xeth tokens goes up too so if you have a lot of feth minted then you're focusing a whole lot of price movement down onto a small number of xeth tokens and so as the um uh, as that ratio that KMETS was talking about between the total amount of FETH and the total amount of XETH, as that trends towards too heavily on the FETH side, the 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 uh, leverage on the XETH side, as was said, we, it varies. And so it rises to sort of uh, absorb all of that. But it gets to a point where if there isn't enough that the system can, uh, like it can be, you can have an unstable situation. And so we have a risk management module that kicks in at these uh, uh, very uh, specific prescribed steps where if the system leverage rises above, so let's say, call it the, what we refer to as the collateralization ratio, basically, the, the difference between the total collateral of the protocol and the amount of FETH minted, right? Um, as that number gets small, so as the amount of XETH gets, gets too small, we turn on different incentive mechanisms that, um, that allow people to get uh, a bonus and arbitrage a little bit the difference. So when you start to redeem your uh, FETH, for example, the uh, FETH redemption fees go to zero. Yeah, and, and you can see here, we talk about it. You've got it up on the white paper. Uh, there's actually a really handy table um, uh, in, the, uh, in the fee section. So you can see there's three different, in the risk management module, there's three different um, 
yeah, perfect. Three, three different settings is L1 stability mode, then user rebalance mode and protocol rebalance mode. And basically these are three progressively more powerful mechanisms that nudge the system back uh, uh, away from uh, away from that higher leverage, right? And we cross that. If you measure the leverage of the system in the effective exeth leverage, we we cross that around four. And so at about a leverage of four, um, you see that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you see that the uh, the different modes start to kick in. Yeah, because the feth essentially is a is a synthetic short on on eth. Uh, and so if you're, if you, if your ETH collateral is losing a lot of value, then that leverage is going to go way up, isn't it? Yeah. Like if, if the ETH collateral loses a lot of value, so there, there's a section in the white paper where we discuss the, uh, we do a value at risk calculation and we basically look at the, the magnitude of price movement it would take in order to essentially bring the value of X ETH to zero. Right where where the the price movement becomes too big for XETH to absorb, and then at that point in time, FETH suddenly reverts to like, you know, uh, it loses the beta. It loses the system loses the ability to hold the beta at 0.1, right? And it and it basically becomes it becomes ETH. And so we we look at like when when the when the uh, probability of a one day event uh, that would trigger that kind of a uh, of a change crosses 0.1 percent, then we start to we start to introduce these uh, these measures to sort of incentivize the system uh, away from that. Wait, so sorry. I'm. I guess I'm just. Can we like walk through a simple example? So like, let's just say the price of ETH right now is a thousand dollars, and then I I put in a thousand dollars, and I'm the only capital in the system. So and I choose fifty percent, fifty percent, and yeah. then in a month, ETH is worth I don't know two thousand dollars, so two x. So is my F ETH worth five hundred dollars? Still? So, so actually, like, um, uh, I put out a, a tweet thread last night on for from the A team that, that actually walks through an example exactly like you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so, um, basically, the, the, a good way to think of it is sort of like, um, if like the, like Kruger was saying, like a collateralized debt position. So if you have like, <clears throat> uh, let's say it's almost like a mortgage on your house. So uh, the the value of your house is similar to like the the ETH in reserve, and then the mortgage is basically the FEs, and then the equity in your house is the XEs, and so um, you can kind of view it as that, as as uh, that 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 XEs amount is stable. So, uh, or the the FEs amount is stable. So, um, if you had like you're saying in your example, uh, you know, say you you purchased you put two thousand dollars worth of ETH in, and you got a thousand dollars worth of F. ETH, the low volatility, and a thousand dollars worth of XETH, and let's say it went up ten percent in a month to twenty-two hundred dollars. Um, the FETH, uh, that total value, is only going to be worth one percent more, uh, twenty twenty, and then XETH is going to be the difference in that value, which is going to be up. I think in my example, I use it's very similar as um, uh, nineteen percent. So that's how that those two work. So so the value of X is like floats a lot above the F ETH value, and it, and it acts as a as a protective coating uh, around the whole system. There's a graphic on screen from that tweet thread, Sam. If you can bring that up. Yeah. And so, like, can you talk about the decision why um, F ETH is 
only held like you know like the how do i say this like a choice you could make is to like defend a peg of one dollar right but instead you're holding it closer to this like what you said 0.1 beta um can you just talk about why that design de- de- that design decision was made sure sure you want to take that commit so i can i can go I can, yeah, I can, I can speak to it. And then if I miss something, you can jump in. Um, essentially, you know, uh, the, the, the risk modules themselves have certain parameters. And so at, once you, you know, set it at uh, 0.01, uh, the risk modules uh, kick in sooner. And so just to give us a little bit more wiggle room, you, you do the um, a 0.1 beta. So that gives you a little bit more forgiveness in that. Um, additionally, just in, in terms of like sort of a, a practicality of, of point one, it, it still gives you exposure to to um, to ETH, the price of ETH, and so this basically it allows the asset to essentially function a lot like a stablecoin, where you have like dry powder and you can use it and um, uh, as a as a as a relatively stable asset. And then uh, not only that, it's for it's for folks that are you know ultimately bullish on on ETH, you know, as an asset, uh, so that they could still capture some value of it over time. Um, and then, you know, the third is that, you know, unlike a fiat, it's not going to lose value to, um, uh, you know, it, it's not going to lose value to inflation over time. So uh, that's sort of the third reason. But, you know, it, you could these nothing is like set in stone with any of these parameters. You could, in fact, have a USD pegged um, asset um, and the volatility that uh, is taken from that would get uh, put back into XPs as well. So then the, the leverage on that would get even higher. Um, and that would affect, you know, various other parameters in the system. So um, we're just kind of doing point uh, one right now just to uh, make sure that the, the system is, is safe and functional and, and, and predictable. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to follow up on that, Kruger. With, yeah. yeah, I mean, is there any thought to it? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, like, it, I think you, you hit it, like, th- there's a lot of, there's a few different minor reasons. Like, it does, it does allow us a little more wiggle room on these, on our risk parameters, and we can, we can, uh, we can hold off a little longer before we have to turn on those those risk management things, but I think it's it's fundamentally a philosophical thing. Like it's it's fundamentally a question of like if 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 we believe that the Ethereum economy is going to outpace the fiat economy or that the, the that fiat uh, currency is going to devalue against uh, ETH over time, then we don't necessarily want to hold that fiat exactly, right? Um, so it's a question of how do we how do we uh, build this stable. I kind of mentioned this earlier. I kind of alluded to it earlier when I said that it's the that it's anchored in the Ethereum economy, right? We want the low volatility of fiat, but we don't want to sort of completely lose the uh, uh, the sort of the footing in uh, in this Ethereum world and and sort of like with with the ETH asset. And so you can think of it on one hand as like a uh, like a hedge against inflation. Uh, where, where if you if you think if you think that the the price of ETH is going to uh, to track sort of uh, an inflation resistant like in the in a long long run, maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's the kind of uh, framing that you can use. But ultimately, it's just a question of of trying to be more crypto native. I think in, in, in as a as a stable like a, a crypto native stable option. Was there any thought to doing a negative beta? So your treasury is a little bit hedged against ETH going down and makes the leverage even more wild? <laughs> um, 
Not as such. Uh, I mean, what's interesting about the the mechanism in general, like the fundamental idea of just creating these derivative tokens from this asset, you can you can imagine a lot of, as you say, a lot of different sort of uh, games that you can play, right? With with the beta, but also with the token that you use as a collateral, right? Like you can make these low and high volatility derivatives for for really any token, and so without without sort of uh, like giving too much of of the future of Aladdin away. I mean, we see a lot of potential in this like core mechanism to potentially be used in other places. But but the the place where it it makes the most sense to us is just in this the story of uh, the story of of truly decentralized stablecoins because we have decentralized stablecoins like really good ones. Um, but scalability has always been a challenge for for something like that, right? Like CDP backed stablecoins are. Like if you have a CDP backed stablecoin uh, that only accepts ETH, like liquidity, which is awesome, y- you have a really, really powerful stablecoin there. Um, but the trouble is the only time that that stablecoin is minted is when there's demand for CDPs. Like if, if you have to want the CDP in order to even create that, that LUSD in the first place. And then as the holder of the CDP, You've got to manage your your cap, like you've got to manage your collateral, and and you've got to take the risk of you know big price movements liquidating you, and you've got to you know all those kind of things we understand about CDPs. They're very like powerful instruments, um, but they don't sort of they don't lend themselves well to high scalability for the the stable token. And so really, that's the kind of that's the 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 sort of main problem that this whole mechanism was created to address. Right? Was how can we how can we get a as a stable something that is stable a stable ish coin that can scale but is legitimately decentralized and guys does it have any uh, synergies with the other uh, aladdin protocols uh, concentrator and uh, clever or is it uh, for now a completely separate one with maybe all kinds of uh, future integrations uh, whether uh, inside of aladdin or with uh, outside projects Uh, I, I think right. Oh, go, go, okay, yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, like, essentially, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it can basically stand on its own, like Kruger was saying originally. Like, it's, it's an independent protocol. It does not, it does not need any of the uh, Aladdin DAO uh, products, but um, obviously, it's designed in such a way that it can be integrated into those pro- those, those protocols in the, in the future, and, um, you know, it, it likely will be. But, uh, you know, we don't, uh, we don't have specific details for that at the moment. Well, and there, there's an intention that we will have um, on-chain liquidity. So there'll be the, the primary market where, you, where, where we expect primarily it'll just be arbitragers and bots minting and redeeming uh, FETH and, and XETH. And then the, uh, the secondary market will be sort of where the bulk of the actual uh, uh, trading happens. And so obviously a lot of Aladdin's products are built around curve and about, around um, uh, liquidity, like maintaining liquidity. Uh, building liquidity and so the, the sort of uh, the modest ecosystem that that aladdin is building right now the 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 primary synergy that we see to concentrator and clever is really just in um helping to helping f of x be able to build that liquidity and maintain that liquidity give people efficient farming uh, uh to be able to support sort of good on-chain liquidity to make it a, a more useful token and this model will be applicable to any asset, right? Like I, I know you've been talking about ETH, but you know the the big kind of uh, the topic of the day is LSDs, right? 
yeah so the you're right about that and and there's there's really no um there's really no uh rule that it, that the the collateral asset has to be uh like the, this will work for any asset right, right. And not just pure eth the reason we're focusing on pure eth uh, at this point is it's really a question of the credibility of decentralization and the additional risk right there's no lsd that doesn't introduce an additional layer of risk um or or centralization like particularly centralization risks but even just like even just the smart contract risk and the, the sort of technical risks associated with your most decentralized lsd um it it, it is a uh, th there's an extra layer that is being added there so this we we haven't really made any sort of firm statement about whether or not we're going to uh, uh talk about lsds as a uh, as an eth collateral but in terms of the sort of pure implementation of FedEx, we're, we're talking about it based around just pure ETH, not staked. Well, don't you think that's a market demand question where, you know, like I, I know everybody has all these intentions of building nice things, but, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people with uh, LSDs that potentially would want to uh, engage in this system. Yeah, and that's a fair point. I mean, there's, uh, uh, you know, we try to be like very responsive to to the community and what the market is looking for, and so we're definitely going to have ears open for for this type of thing. I think that you do kind of at some point you do have to to draw a line in the sand when you're talking about differentiating differentiating your you know in this case sort of stablecoin. Um, we on the building side think that you know we all kind of understand that decentralization is something that doesn't matter until it does and we want to kind of be ready when it does <laughs> or we'd, we'd ideally like to position the protocol in that uh, uh kind of a of a place but you know this is very much you know this is an experiment this is our sort of um uh, uh first uh offering of how we can potentially solve this problem of scalability and decentralization in stable coins so you know it's a fair point i think that i think that as the market um you know as we as we get as we get feedback and as we kind of continue to run these experiments there's there's every chance that we look at something either like it doesn't have to necessarily even be the same asset um like there can be these f and x derivatives for um like for lsds separately from pure ETH potentially right it really is a question of demand Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we went a little longer than we usually do for our interviews because it's such an interesting concept. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Well, feel free to stick around. We're going to jam on some weekend headlines. Uh, so I'm sure if you follow crypto like you do, you've got a lot of interesting takes you can uh, throw into the mix. <laughs> Thanks very much. Well, it was a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to learning something on what happened over the weekend. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for uh, having us on. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks for joining us. For sure. Thanks for coming, guys. All right.